0: Welcome to No Page Unturned, the podcast where Christina, Steph, and myself, Josh, go in-depth discussing books, mainly focusing on those written by BIPOC and LGBTQ plus authors. You don't have to read along with us, but be warned, there will be spoilers ahead.
1: Welcome to the holiday edition of Geekly Inc., uh booklings where we tell you about books that you should have read but don't worry there's still time <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is our essentially uh the end of the year podcast yes. where everybody's releasing their you know their top 10 books of the year and top 10 uh genre fiction of the year and books you should have read in this year but didn't get to and and like that sort of thing yeah So we're just doing it in podcast form. Mm -hmm.
2: And I don't think we're we're not doing doing 10 each. I think we're doing like 10 total. 10 total. Yeah. Manageable amount for your manageable holiday break. Yes. Because you got shit to do.
1: And some of it's reading, but some of it's eating. Mm -hmm. And maybe you want to do those separately.
2: (laughs) I suppose we should say too that this, uh, this episode won't have like spoilers or anything for any of these books. Um, So if, you don't listen to our normal episodes, uh, you're not going to get spoiled or anything for these books. This is just us like recommending these books. Yes,
1: and they're all from 2022. So there have been plenty of books that all of us have read that are that don't fall within that narrow time range uh, that are also good, but you can look at those on our reviews or on our holiday gift guide, which is a
2: top 10 list <laughs> that is written yeah. out.
0: We are spoiling whether the books are good or not.
2: That's true. That's true. But I. But the only (laughs) specifically whether they're good, which spoiler alert, we think
0: all these books are good. Yeah,
2: if we (laughs) mention it, it, we think it's good. As we have said many times, we don't talk about books that we don't like because what's the point? Right.
1: People worked hard. If they're not our thing,
2: no reason to. Truly, there is something for everybody, and uh, and uh, yeah, no. There there were a I, few books this year where we were all like, no, no, no. And then you go on like Goodreads or whatever, and there's lots of happy reviews. So, you know. Yeah.
0: I could talk about for hours about one particular book that I didn't <laughs> like, but I already read The Name of the Wind in
1: 2007. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's oh, not that man. Josh doesn't dislike this book. It's that he has a deep vendetta against it. <laughs> But we're not here to, anyways, talk about blood feuds. That's our other other podcast, yeah. the Seeker podcast. <laughs> it's like the secret menu only for murder.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, one day if we have enough listeners, like to launch a Patreon, it'll all our Patreon episodes will just be us being negative about books,
2: <laughs> just dunking on books we don't like.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but then we'd have to read those books i don't know we're gonna have to workshop this concept i feel really like we could yeah entirely. we could,
2: books that we got two chapters into and then we're like nope
1: yeah they did not finish
2: podcast yeah
0: but well, let's talk about books that we do like
2: should we start with the the books that we definitely all read and all enjoyed because there's a yes. couple I think of those so. i think so
0: okay two two in particular yes I can't believe it was only April this year I that, know, right? that A Chorus of Dragons finally came to an end. Or I mean at least finally. an end it. took like for two and, and a half years. It was yeah, so but fast. yeah, but for five and books. Some series take twenty years to finish. Yeah. Some of them oh, yeah. haven't
1: finished. Yeah, we're not talking about those books either, George. But
0: yes, at this yeah. The Discord of Gods came out this April, bringing uh, Kieran's story to an end. And now that's been for now. some time, um, overall, like, how are you feeling about um, the final book in the series?
2: I'm really looking forward to reading it again, which is like, I think, you know, not you know, obviously we, we covered the series for the show. Um, and, it, but even if not, I think I would like be like, oh, you know what? I'm going to reread the Discord of Gods because it was, you know, just like first and foremost, a good book, like, you uh-huh. know, well-written, good characters, good story, plot twists, all that fun stuff that we look for. Um, but yeah, you know, it was also like a very satisfying ending to this enormous five book series. And, and I'm sure that there is stuff that I missed because every time we read, A Course of Dragons books were always just like, it was there the whole time. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, like I, it makes my heart happy knowing that it was a good book and I enjoyed it and that I have much, I have enjoyment coming over many rereads over, you know, the rest of my life, probably. That's a really good way to put it. I agree.
0: Yeah. I I put a lot of value into um, being able to redo something Mm -hmm. like game. I I, for games that uh, you know I can replay, and books I can reread, Mm -hmm. and I have friends that like. I probably probably all do who they only want to do things the one time, yeah, and so the one experiences has the most value, but. This series is definitely one that um I look forward to going back to even after we've done the whole series for the podcast mm-hmm. uh the like the the only bad thing about Discord of Gods is that I miss these characters I want more yeah. <laughs> like and it's not like I want more, as in Jen Lyons didn't provide enough in her series it's just that. Jen Lyons made these characters so lovable and likable that I want them back.
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: totally.
1: Yeah, I just, I just want to spend more time with my fictional
0: buddies.
2: Yeah, Not
1: that there was an unsatisfying narrative yeah. arc.
0: Yeah, but, and, and there's like no value in books that don't have a conflict. But at the same time, you want to see the characters you like just be happy for a while (laughs) but there's Um, no point in writing a book where like yeah kieran and and whoever survives all the (laughs) books uh you know they're happy
2: everything goes great
0: everything goes great the end no one's gonna buy that but i would (laughs) i
1: this do either of you watch steven universe no. yeah okay so there's a steven universe where steven and his bff connie are arguing about this J- this harry potter like pseudo harry potter book and they're like it was a 700 page description of their wedding like the characters got together and it's like there was 20 pages about the cake alone and steven was like but i loved it it's like Aww. oh steven you love schmaltz and i was like i do
0: i love that episode <laughs> yeah
1: and I the un, untapped market for Schmaltz, I feel like.
0: The, like, part of an RPG where you beat the game mm-hmm. and then it has, like, the ending sequence where you get to, like, talk to all the characters and seeing what the, they, like, describe what they're doing now that, you mm-hmm. know, the world isn't coming to an mm-hmm. end. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, it. it's just sort of like... It, it's just that the series was so good that, like... I want to. I yeah. want to be with these characters again. Yeah, totally.
1: I mean, I'm also the person who's played through Stardew Valley multiple times, so like, I clearly have a very high capacity for like the domestic narrative. <laughs> just
2: like, <laughs> tink tink. Oh, look, rock broke. Well, that's my day. <laughs> yeah, like, which surviving characters in uh, a course of dragons would like just settle down and have a nice farm? Yeah, you know, get really into turnips. Usually you start
1: out with the farmhand. Let's end with the farmhand. Yes, hand. yes. Ooh, full circle. Yeah. Let's let's see that trope turned on its head. Yeah.
0: I can't. I, to be honest, I can't picture any of them farming.
2: No, but yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It was a it was a great end to a great series, and yeah, just like a uh, lot lots of emotions, and it was good. It was good. <laughs>
0: I can't emphasize enough how important good endings are.
2: Oh my god! It, right?
0: A bad ending, like no matter like what medium we're talking about, a bad mm-hmm. ending can ruin mm-hmm. an entire thing for you. Whereas, like, it makes it it just makes you feel like you've wasted your time.
1: Yeah. Nobody, nobody talks about Lost in the zeitgeist except mm-hmm. to talk about how. Yeah, the ending was real bad, and kind of the same thing with Game of Thrones. Like, took over our culture, yeah. and now it's just like non-existent. So, yeah, gotta stick mm-hmm. that landing. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Especially with books like where the time investment is so high,
1: oh, massive. Yeah. and these yeah. are long books. Like yeah. they go fast, but they are long books. Yeah.
0: And yeah, if the Starlight totally, Archive totally has it. a bad ending, then I'm Oof. I'm just gonna burn those books. <laughs>
2: brandon tends no, to stick to landing on, on his endings so i'm that's true I'm he's very good confident. at endings. he's yeah. yeah he's pretty established yeah
1: did anybody have do, do we want to talk about the next one or did either of you have the uh brandon sanderson
2: uh the lost metal is on my list yes but should we talk about nona so
0: yes let's we'll talk about nona first one
2: okay. for all of us yeah
1: nona was the unexpectedly penultimate
2: yeah <laughs> this is one of the weirdest fucking books i've ever read and it was so good and i loved like every bit of it
1: every time i say that about the next book in the series though i was like man yeah. gideon was weird but harrow was so weird harrow and I was, Nona, extremely and I was like what? weird yeah. <laughs> Harrow might have
0: been
2: th- a little bit weirder overall i but think like, so was yeah weird yeah
0: I, I still think harrow was weirder
2: hero was was especially weird because of the narrative style like the whole Mm. second person thing uh which did come together in a very satisfying way and is is worth like pushing through but honestly like every book i'm just amazed at like the the way that Tamsin muir she just fucking goes for it Mm. like in everything like She's like, yeah, uh, my first book was kind of like a pseudo comedic horror fantasy in space. Uh, The second book is going to be like a completely different narrative style, um, much creepier, spookier, weirder, sadder. Uh, You're not going to know what's going on for most of the time. And then the third book is almost like a post-apocalyptic, like thing where like even the narrator doesn't know who she is and is trying to you're trying to like piece together all of these things from this like very unreliable narrator and it is and it's bizarre every book is so distinct and has a very different style and yet she does bring it all together in this way where again like i'm like give me my characters (laughs) i love them they're my little babies
0: what i like about uh, Tamsin Muir's style of writing in these books is that, uh, so many, and it's, it's not just books, but so many stories have to, like, figure out, like, a lot of authors and a lot of writers have to figure out a way to give you the answers without beating you over the head with them. Mm-hmm. And Thompson Muir is like, I'm not really going to give you the answers. You just kind of kind of puzz- got to puzzle it out for yourself. <laughs> yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you're just along for the ride. And whether you figure this out or not, well, my books are selling well, so obviously I'm doing something right. Yeah. So. And
2: also I'm going to, like, drop dank meme references. Yeah, Thompson
1: Muir doesn't care if you get it. Yeah. She only cares about referencing, like... 2016 as like <laughs> as as the internet saw it. Mm. Uh which, you know, go for it. It clearly it clearly worked. Yeah. And it also like all of her characters are so good. Mm-hmm. They're so compelling and her romance is like like all of her characters are very horny, but there aren't any mm. sex scenes. It's it's really weird. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot like, of pining.
0: There's also yes. so much
1: pining. Yes. It's 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 so it's so girls mm-hmm. uh, like each other. It's just kind of like, oh she I, I like her. She clearly only thinks of me as a friend, as you're <laughs> making out. It's yeah. like, yep. That yeah,
2: She's a very smart writer too, because Mm -hmm. it would be so easy for these books to just be absolute messes, like Mm -hmm. unreadably complicated and confusing. And she does a very good job, like at least like kind of like taking you on by the hand enough that like, you are, you are not so lost that you're like, fuck this book. I'm not bothering. And you are just lost enough that you're like, I want to find my way out of the maze. (laughs) Because I am fascinated by, like, one of the, like, uh, an example, um, which I actually, I say uh, to people a lot when I'm recommending Gideon, is, you know, there are 20 named characters in that book, like, that's a lot, that's a lot, and she does a really good job of always reminding you who each character kind of is and what they do because like it would be very, very easy to just like lose track of like all the different names. Like, oh, they got introduced once in one scene. And like, I don't remember like who's from what house and what that house does and who's, right. blah, blah, and who's paired with what. And she does a very, very good job of always subtly reminding you throughout the book of who is who and what they do. And, uh, and it, yeah, so she's a very smart writer.
0: And I feel like each of her narrators has a distinctive mm. way of thinking of characters, like the other characters in the book, that make, like makes you, you know, m- memorize who they are, not because of their names and what house they are, but distinctive characteristics. Like, mm. I can't tell you, I could not tell you off the top of my head, the names of the, the two teens from the first book. <laughs> Oh, but well, Gideon I... constantly referring to them as the two dumb teens <laughs> sh- makes the shitty me sh- like, teams, yes. yeah, yeah, the shitty teens, yes. like, has me, uh, like, remember the things they do in the books with, mm-hmm. without necessarily remembering their names and what house they're from and what that mm-hmm. house does. And then they're definitely,
1: f- f- wait, I say that definitely and then I hesitate. So that's wrong. They're <laughs> probably, uh, fourth house, I want to say. Yeah, they're fourth. Yeah.
0: And, and then Harrow and Nona do the same thing. It's just for, like from a different perspective because they're totally different characters.
1: Totally different, and Nona is definitely told from the perspective of like, is like of like the fruits basket heroine somehow transplanted <laughs> into like. I don't know, what's the darkest possible anime you can imagine? <laughs> yeah. Like a
2: Tokyo Ghoul. Like Attack on Titan. Yeah, Attack on I, Titan. Yeah.
1: And like, there's just like, I love you. Do, 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 I'm going to school. Yeah, yeah. Totally. And just, it's.
0: Hot yeah. sauce, be friends with me. Yeah. yeah, it's
1: a slice of life
2: anime, somehow yes, shoehorned into a yes, necromancer. That is what it is, 100%. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, like she's like, I get to walk Noodle. He's the best dog. Uh, and, I'm uh, like, tired.
1: They don't even remark on the fact that the noodle that noodle for some reason has six legs, and like yes! why he might need to tr- climb trees. Yes! it's it just like it's like okay, sure, sure. yeah. And like as and... someone who a likes slice of life anime and b wants to pet all the animals, even if they are apex predators, mm. I definitely shouldn't touch. Like I sympathize real hard. Mm-hmm. Nona yeah. and I have that in common.
0: There's also not a lot of slice-of-life genre fiction. So. It's true,
1: yeah. Yeah, it's and def- we were just talking about how the farm... Ooh. Well, I mean, I was. Uh, the farm boy. Like, yes. we want the cute ending. This is the cute ending, except the world is also cute yes. ending.
2: Yeah, I <laughs> want a, a slice-of-life follow-up for all the Chorus of Dragons characters.
1: Right. Yeah, this this is the follow-up, accidentally, that Tamsin Weir wrote during the pandemic, I think.
0: This is what yeah. like instead of doing. Uh, this is completely off topic, but instead of doing uh, filler that shonen tends to do mm-hmm. a lot of time in anime, where they like make up a villain that's usually kind of shitty yeah. and do a bad story, <laughs> they should just do s- slice of life on the side.
1: Yeah, like, mm-hmm.
0: and so fantasy books should also do. Like, you could probably put together a collection of short stories that are slice of life but feature major characters from major series. Mm. Oh my god, I, that's what they should have done
1: it. during the pandemic. That's what I needed. Like, god well, damn yeah. it. Josh, yeah. you're a genius. Yeah, like a little should, like, like, a anthology. I just like, and, and no, no series where it's like, and then Sansa murdered someone. Like, no. No, no, no. The nice series with the nice people doing the nice things. Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. It doesn't even have to be nice people. It could be the bad people just, like, going out for breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. They don't necessarily have to, like, do evil.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, in my head, in the the back of my mind, I'm just putting together this anthology list of everybody I want to, (laughs) to see, so.
0: And, like, back to Nona... This book wasn't even planned. Like, this was the first, this was the first half of Alecto. And it feels like only a year and a half ago that, you know, Tor was like being like, Hey, Alecto is coming Mm -hmm. this such and such a year. And then all of a sudden, Nona got announced. And it was like, Oh, here's the third book in a uh, not planned fourth, I don't remember the name of the word for for four book series. I
2: think. Quartet, usually? I guess, uh, yeah. yeah. Four but it was, originally,
0: it was originally a trilogy, and yeah. so the fact that this, I feel like, and I, I've, I've read Nona twice now, mm-hmm. and I gotta tell you, it's even better the second time. Yes, okay. And a lot of things that uh, I did have, like, minor quibbles about it the first time completely Washed away the second time, okay, nice, and so, for the fact that this book could be such a good like A to Z part of the series when it wasn't originally planned, mm. it could have easily ended in a cliffhanger that was completely unsatisfying, and it does end in a little bit of a cliffhanger, but not in an unsatisfying way,
2: yeah, it's sad, but it's not unsatisfying and i think
1: like those those are our books that we we all read we all liked and i think it's the opposite for the opposite reasons like they're both obviously really good really well written great characters great narrative but like discord of gods leaves you in a satisfied place that you expect mm-hmm. like jen lines you know for all that she varies up her narrative like timings She's got a very consistent like voice there, whereas like I just go into a Tamsin weird story at this point. And I'm just like I have no clue. Yeah, I have no, no yeah. idea what's going to happen. I accept that. So like I, I'm I'm not expecting anything, and then I was expecting anything, and in both cases, my expectations were exceeded by these books.
2: Yeah, like yeah, Court of Dragons. Like you go in, you kind of like all right. I you know I'm probably gonna get. Two to three different storylines, they might cross over a little bit, gonna have like different kind of characters' viewpoints. Um, you know, it like mm-hmm. while she does do a good job turning, yeah, turning sub tropes on her head, like she generally follows the general story arc of epic fantasy. And uh and yeah, you know, there's like there's
1: gonna be a big battle. Yeah. You know, there's gonna Lock- be like a love scene. <laughs>
2: yeah. Lock Tomb is just like strepid bitches, we don't even know where we're going. <laughs>
1: <laughs> at one point a school bus turns up yeah and if that doesn't concern you it should but yeah, yeah so read the lock tomb obviously i think we've said mm-hmm. it enough but we can't say it enough so yeah. there you and go. i would
2: say the the lock tomb they are a bit shorter so if you're yeah. not like looking to dive into a, a large series like a course of dragons lock tomb is a great place to start and it's very different from really any other kind of fantasy that I think I've read ever, so
1: Yeah. Although if you liked Sabriel, you will probably That's like true, this. yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: If we were to put the Discord of Gods and Nona the Ninth on on your like ranking list of books Ooh. from this year. Would they be one and two?
2: Uh Discord of Gods I think is my number one for sure.
1: I'm gonna play contrarian and be like Discord of Gods is my number two because I'm mad at it that it
2: ended.
0: <laughs> I number, think Discord yeah. of Gods is my number yeah. one. Yeah.
2: My number two is actually the lost metal, but I would put Nona at three.
0: I think Nona is also at three for me. But I think
2: Nona might be
1: one for me actually. Okay, okay. But yeah, let's talk about let's talk about the lost metal. Was that on
2: yours as well, Josh?
0: Yeah, but what it wasn't as high as uh, stuff.
2: I I am an absolute sucker for Mistborns in every format. The original Mistborn trilogy is probably tied with the Wheel of Time as my favorite series of all ever. Easily my favorite trilogy, and I fucking love Lord of the Rings, and it's still my favorite. And Mistborn's still my favorite trilogy. <laughs> Damn. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, um. Thompson so I words. I really loved The Lost Metal because it was going to be very, very hard for him to write a book that I was not going to love because mm-hmm. Brett, like Brandon Sanderson books are my delightful comforter. Like, you know, I, I, it, not unlike Jen Lyons, you kind of go in, you, you know, kind of what you're going to get. Um, but there's going to be funny characters, there's going to be good action sequences, he's going to use the word maladroit at some point, like, <laughs> you know, it, and it's just like, I and I know that I will be satisfied at the end of it. Um, like, you know, speaking of like endings, like Brandon Sanderson never really fumbles an ending, like, and so I... It's, it's just like, it's, you go in and it's a known quantity and it's also going to like ask some, you know, fun universe questions that I like scream to Josh about on DMs. (laughs) Um, So there's, you know, there's always that balance of like, you get questions answered, you get questions asked, you know, you have awesome character moments, good action. So yeah, Brandon Sanderson and and in general is like always going to give me great comfort and joy and uh, and i really like the lost metal like again like it was it, and josh and i talk about this in our review of uh the lost metal like it's a very different kind of ending actually it's not um uh what ha, josh described it really well what did you say it was like the end of these characters' stories but not the end of like the era like the time i don't know how did do you remember how you said it
0: <laughs> well like the the first trilogy ends in like a completely rewriting of the status quo yes. of the entire world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this one ends in like a, you like, it's more like we're just leaving this time period. Like mm-hmm. the, the, these characters lives continue on without us. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the first trilogy feels definitely like, Oh, everything is, everything is completely different. Yeah. Yeah. And this one, it feels like, Oh, it's, the world is is different but it's just that we're leaving these characters yeah. lives for now and like who knows if they'll return or not but it's like yeah
2: yeah like we may see them again we may not like they kind of, yeah so um it was a different kind of ending uh, but you know still very satisfying and enjoyable and uh yeah it was just you know it was a, it was a good solid book it was super fun
0: the the first trilogy basically ends like in a series finale where the show is yeah, not going to come yeah. back, mm-hmm. and this is a season finale where the show <laughs> yes. is going to come.
2: Yes, back. Yes, that's a very good yeah. way of putting it. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's my number two for the year, but I mean, I yeah, fully, I am I am a biased Brando Sando bitch. Like, with good kind of reason people yeah. love him
1: for very good reasons yeah. like yeah. he's a great author. he has incredibly imaginative worlds. he is super like he pushes every logical conclusion mm. whether it's in his fight scenes and to his like multiverse like you can ask him a question and he has an answer for it. It's not like, oh yeah, I didn't really think about how mm-hmm. that would affect like economics or yeah. religion. He's like
2: no, I thought everything there's an internal logic to everything yeah
1: yeah and like i still i still remember some of the aspects like i remember brendan sanderson fight scenes the way that i remember fight scenes in movies like that's Mm, how cinematic they are they're so smart so yeah brendan sanderson like maybe there's gonna come a point where people are like oh poo poo and, like, I haven't read all of his books, but mostly because they're, like, fucking massive. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Like, I, I... Yeah, no, I love the dude. He's he's great. Yeah.
0: Do you want to go first, Christina, or should I?
1: You go for it. All right. Okay. These are These are books... I don't think we have any other overlap, although we haven't consulted. I beforehand. don't think, I
0: don't think so. so. Let's see. Yeah. So, I really tried to f- sort of, like, force myself to really think about these books and not, like, accidentally repeat our mid-year mm-hmm. uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry. It's still number two for me is The Daughter of Red Winter I thought by you were say McDonald. that. Yeah, I like, it's yeah. it stuck with me all this time. It came out in, like, uh, May or June, and I just can't, like, completely get it out of my head. This was uh, an author that his previous series, I can't remember the name of it off my top of my head, but it seemed very uh, grimdark at a time where I was tired of grimdark, and it, it didn't hit me the same way that uh, Joe Abercrombie's grimdark hits me. So I took a chance on this book, when I saw the author's name and said, oh, isn't that guy who wrote that series that I sort of quit? And I was shocked at, like, how much I love this book. It's just like, it has everything that I lo- It has a cool magic system. It has a main character who goes through, basically, trauma. And it explores that in a... Really, um, interesting way, along with it doesn't like shy away from, you know, dealings with class and imperialism and, you know, subjects like that. And it's through the, you know, magic system that those things are explored. And at the same time, the main character is a teenager and i feel like teenagers in fantasy are written kind of badly like not it's not that they're written badly they're not written with the voice of a teenager but uh the main character of this book feels like a teenage girl she deals with teenage boys and everything that comes with that which can be <laughs> a problem and it just feels really uh satisfying and, you know, the beginning of the book has like, you know, um bad things that happen to the main character that are, uh, frankly, like problematic. Like it, it not in a way like it's problematically written, but it's a real thing that happens to, you know, teenage girls in our world and it, like, the first time I read it, I, like, sort of, like, looked like looked away from it. And the, when I read it again, I was like, no, this is a thing that happens. And the, the author writes it in a way that is respectful without just, like, pretending it doesn't really happen. And so the book has sort of stuck with me all this time. And I like I couldn't not put it on my list.
1: Nice. I mean, it's nice. It's nice. Like I'm excited to read it. it still hasn't come in from the library uh, because it's high fantasy, and a lot of people are doing really interesting stuff. But like, it is it is capital H high fantasy. Um, as far as I can tell, is that is that fair?
0: Yeah. A second
1: I, world. It's like bows and arrows, magic, and
0: dope but shit. there there's like a. I feel like so many um, high fantasy is, like, around the, like, British Empire, mm-hmm. War of the Roses kind of thing, but this book and uh, The Black Tongue Thief from last year, these are very rooted in Irish and Scottish hmm uh like turn of the century sort of period, like those feel like the roots of this series rather than being so like you know british great empire monarchy there's like clans and like nice. the the monarchy is not so you know the root of all power mm-hmm.
1: that makes it much more compelling, I right? am pretty sick of the british empire for
2: many <laughs> <laughs> it's on my list too because yeah you've, you've said nothing but
0: good things about it so
2: um what do i have uh oh so my Wait. what
0: christina didn't give her n- no, oh yeah too. yeah
1: oh i don't i didn't actually rank them like one to five mm. it was not i i think my number two would be discord of gods okay just just swapped them from you guys yeah oh
0: okay yeah but you haven't spoken about a book yet
1: yeah all right what do you got well neither does stuff i don't know why i'm being so defensive about this (laughs) (laughs) what am i doing all right um i think my number three is um nettle and bone by our another perennial favorite which is ursula vernon slash tk fisher uh Sorry, Josh. We did not make that clear in a group chat. And he was like, "Who is Ursula, the George of the Jungle lady?" He didn't say that, but that's the only other Ursula I can think of besides the the drag queen sea witch. I was gonna say the sea witch. The sea witch, yeah, but like clearly not. Anyway,
0: Ursula Le Guin.
1: Oh Yeah, that too. A lot, you know. If you want your child to be a sci-fi writer, go with Ursula. Uh, Ursula doing. Ursula, like Ursula at the drag queen, doing Ursula liquid would be a great like <laughs> drag brunch. Can you imagine? Anyway, okay. Nettle and Bone came out. It was like a it's like a second world fantasy, so it's totally uh, unconnected to our world. It's very fairy tale esque. So there are fairy godmothers. Uh, it's 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 one of those classic. T. Kingfisher books it's not her horror stuff it's fantasy but it's it's like charming and funny right up until the point where she is talking about domestic violence and it just like it's a sucker punch and like they're just she doesn't there's no way to talk about domestic violence without it being horrible and no she doesn't try and, and all respect to her for doing that. Like, you know, you have to look at the stuff in the face and, and say what it is and how bad it is. And just like the amount of respect that she gives her characters for doing the best they can in situations that she sets up for them that were, where there aren't good options, you know, not saying like domestic violence is bad. Like it's not a fucking PSA. It's not like, don't hit people, you should escape. It was like, no, there, there are complicated webs of emotion and obligation that are affecting this. Um, and I'm making it sound really dark. And it is fairly dark, but it's also like, it's just about this this fair princess, the third daughter, who's not very smart, and she really just wants to live in a convent and embroider stuff for her whole life. And she's called upon to like deal with this, and it's horrible. And because it's horrible, she has, she needs help and she asks for it, which is nice. And like, there's a grumpy witch with a demonic chicken, a chicken who has been infested by a demon. And both of those creatures are fine with the arrangement. Um, (laughs) And it's just like, it's delightful and silly and weird and great and serious and scary and, and, you know. Talk about sticking the ending like that. That landing, that landing worked. So,
2: yeah, it it's really just good. like a standalone, right?
1: It's just a standalone. Um, you could probably read it in like a few days. It's not very long, which is another great thing. Um, and it doesn't require a glossary, right? Like they go to fairyland, but they're not called like the shining people. <laughs> and then you don't need to go look up what the shining people are versus the bright people. Like, just the things are just called what they are. They're just things, and you know. We all get it and, and it's fine.
0: <laughs> is it is it a horror book?
1: No uh, its I would say it's pretty much straight fantasy there there are some horrifying elements, but they're all strictly human. Whereas her horror books uh, I would say are the ones where there is a supernatural horror element, which are also very good. Um, and she she did have one that came out this year, but I liked Nettle and bone better, so. What can you do? I'm not... None of these None of these uh, endorsements are meant to insult any other books, by the way. If you liked her other books better, that's fine. I support you. Personal preference.
0: Is it safe to say that T. Kingfisher is one of your favorite authors?
1: Oh, 100%. Okay. I also... She re-released the webcomic. That's for free online. And instead, I bought the goddamn book, and I was like, I love it. It's a treasure. Don't touch it. And I petted it a lot.
0: She has a webcom?
1: Yeah, it's called Digger. It's about a wombat. We're just going to let that sit there, that comment. <laughs> no
0: more. You don't it's, need any more explanation than that.
2: Uh, but yeah, Steph, now that we've talked about wombats so chickens. yeah um and similar to josh uh i just want to give a quick shout out to the books i talked about at the mid-year episode um because all of them were again you know kind of my top books of the year um so that would be just like home by sarah gailey a taste of golden iron by alexander Rowland, and siren queen by univo those were all great books go listen to the mid-year episode yeah, you can basically
0: them. like add to your list of books you need to buy yeah. by <laughs> listening to that one also
2: yeah. yeah um but my other latter half of the year book that i added to my top uh is lavender house by lev ac rosen um, which was really good uh not fantasy not horror uh very much a i don't know a Like a piece of historical fiction, I guess, is probably how it ended up on our, our, our ARC list. Um, because it's not, there's, there's no fantasy or sci-fi elements, but, um, it is a really great murder mystery. Um, it's a great historical piece. It covers a, you know, section of society that, uh books and media from the nineteen fifties don't often talk about which is l g b t q people and how they live and how they survive and what they do and what they can't do and in the midst of all this, there's a yeah a murder mystery and lots of fun descriptions of music and costumes and well often' costumes just outfits. And, uh, and some nice characters. And so, yeah, it was, it's, and it's a quick read, you know, it's a great, I think I put it on my, um, my buy list. Like it would be a, yeah, it's a great book for like somebody who isn't necessarily into like science fiction and fantasy. Um, but yeah, it was great. I, I super enjoyed it and it was a nice, like, uh, breath of fresh air amidst kind of like all the usual murder mysteries and fantasy and and things. And I, I really enjoyed it
1: also hasn't come in for me for the library oh. i left boston and i don't know if you know this about america but boston is the place where all the nerds go and so the <laughs> libraries are really fast yeah and they're like oh you're gonna implode if you don't get this book here quick take it uh that's not true of the rest of the country and i'm only slowly learning this emphasis on slowly so it's been troubling yeah. to me
0: I don't know if the New York Public Library is—because basically, if you live in New York, you can sign up for the New York Public Library, especially for their e-books. Uh, so I get all my e-books that I, you know, borrow through there if I'm not getting an ARC. And uh, I don't know if they're fast, or it's just that the New York Public Library is, like, the one of the biggest libraries in the country— <laughs>
1: And I can anyway. tell you from working in libraries, they also have a great microfiche
2: collection. Mm. Which is Ooh, relevant microfiche. to exactly nobody. <laughs> I mean. Except but the now we're going to give know.
0: you our top five microfiches. <laughs> 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 All right,
2: Josh, what else is on your list?
0: So this book, I literally read about, I started it a month ago and I finished it about a week and a half ago. And it's already shot up to like probably in my top five. Like, my ranking isn't, uh, except for Discord of Gods and uh, Nona my, and Daughter Red Redwinter, my top five isn't, like, you know, down-packed. But uh I really loved The Empire of Exiles by Aaron M. Evans. It literally came out in November in the very beginning, and I could not put this book down. It has, it's a whodunit uh inside a thriller inside uh a fantasy with like like a little sprinkling of horror uh mixed in so basically um the world is like in a sl- small number of regions that are walled in um with like iron and salt walls and the whole purpose of it is to, um, they used to be at war with changelings. People, like, creatures that could change shape and pretend to be your friends and family. And it was, like, a horrible time to, um, exist in this world until they have, like, their magic system is basically sort of like an addiction like everybody has like an affinity to something like iron or bronze or like ink or like some kind of like um, element and it becomes like addicting. And so they're walled in basically because one of their, uh, they call them experts, created a like, you know, they call it spiraling where they go out of control and one of their uh, experts went out of control and created these iron and salt walls that has them, like, walled in and has all the changelings walled out. And so, like, it has a, it has a framework device where um, someone tried to usurp the emperor, and it's, like, telling—like, he like, the person's already captured— and he's like um being interviewed by his brother right before his execution and i love a framework device yeah, so that I was like just
1: thinking that. yeah we all do mm-hmm.
0: and so the the brother is interviewing his usurping brother right before his execution trying to find out like what happened and what are like what secrets are you still keeping and then in the present day You know, it just has a main character who's a young man. He's a scrivener. So I already, I already like him just based (laughs) on his occupation visiting a archive, which is like a huge archive of books and information and, you know, magical objects. And then everything goes wrong. (laughs) There's a murder and the main character is just a young man whose best friend. Uh, supposedly did this murder, but he gets that, like, you know, obsession of, like, there's no way that um, my best friend really did this. And then the other two main characters, one is, like, the equivalent of a detective, and a trope I love is the, you know, the investigator, the detective, the person that is going deep within a mystery and then there's a higher authority saying you're not you can't do. go too deep into this you have to stop We. the case is closed <laughs> and then they then they keep going in deeper you know they have to keep it's like N- something's not quite right so I love that trope and that character used to be a thief but now he's a detective so there's like an element of he knows how criminals think And there's like, there's a mystery and a, on top of a conspiracy, on top of these like horrible changelings that could be anybody that you know. And it's just, oh, it's delicious. I love it. (laughs) And like each, when you get to the climax, like each reveal, like I, when I read a mystery, more often than not, I figure it out or at least try to figure out before it ends. I did not figure this one out mm. at all. So that's like a, every that's a
1: ringing endorsement, I love that.
0: And so like each each reveal in the climax was like <gasps> <gasps> it's <was> like <laughs> it was like this is great. <laughs> and so uh I can't recommend uh, Empire of Exiles by Aaron M. Evans. That's a lot of ease enough.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I'm i like a chapter and four pages into it. I need to just like really like sit down and get into the plot. Um, Because, I yeah, I keep like picking it up and I'll read two pages and then like some, I have to go do something. And so I need to like solidly sit down and get into it because, yeah, it sounds great. Like ev- everything you just said. I'm like, yep, yep, yep. Give me all that.
0: And also I really like... You know, I I get tired of, like, too many humans in fantasy books. And this book has, like, people with, like, multiple horns and three eyes. And, like, there's one magical user who has, like, instead of legs, he has, like, octopus tentacles. And they, like, don't go deep into why. Mm -hmm. It's just, you just sort of, like, take it as it is. And uh while that might be like a negative for some people who want an explanation for everything. I just like took it as it is because like yeah, like this is a made up world. Like why does everybody have to be exactly human?
2: Let me do that.
1: That that actually is a perfect segue because my next book is about octopuses. Yeah. Um I read uh, the Mountain and the Sea, which is kind of a near-ish future speculative fiction uh, about exploring consciousness on our world that is not human. And specifically, it's about this scientist, um, Dr. Han Nguyen, uh, who goes to this island to explore this... The, the mon- Like the the rumors of a monster, this, this enormous something. Uh, and what she finds is a lot stranger and a lot more interesting. And it just, it's one of those books where you know the author. I guess I just like books where people think of everything. Um, but the author just took the idea of non-human but non-alien consciousness and just was like, give me everything that could possibly apply here like so there is someone who uses um like near future body augmentations to control drones but she uses them in a full body way so that she's like an octopus like she's got these drones that respond to one arm and the other arm and like the idea that octopuses don't have like a centralized nervous system so much as a distributed one like their legs are like little brains they're not they're, it's not just like us where we have our head and then everything else is kind of like subject to it. Um, if I'm explaining it right. I, uh, I am not a biologist. Um, please do not take any of the Like, this is not legal advice. This is not medical advice. This is just book advice. Um, and you should read this book. It's, it's just great. It's smart. It's thoughtful. It's about, like, what does it mean to have AI as we approach that frontier um, and it's it's also told in a non-histrionic way, right? Like what this what this author is afraid of is not like oh killer AI, like screw you Elon. It's it's not like that's not the thing. Um, the thing that is terrifying are like mega conglomerates and governments who are too big and unwieldy to understand that like we may have this dawning consciousness under the sea, but we're going to poison or bomb it because we're too stupid to realize that we have been looking for other life, other intelligent life. And we could, we could shake hands with it, but it hates us because we poison it all the time. And it just like, it's a very ecologically conscious, like scientifically informed, thoughtful, cool book. And it's also awesome. It, it's so good and it's so well written. it's it was like, honestly, I'm gonna shelve it when I get a copy because I'm definitely buying a copy next to the Martian because it's one of those books where like there's so much science in it, but it's so well written that you never feel lost. That's it's just cute. like exciting. Yeah. Uh, and it's not like, oh, we have to get across Mars. It's like it's not like an adventure novel. It's definitely like a little bit more calm, but uh, I mean, Still, there's still murder, so don't worry. Anybody looking for murder, you'll find some. <laughs> but yeah, really, really good, really smart. Uh, just like, I can't believe it's somebody's first novel, because it's like so assured. It, like, it feels like it's written by someone who's done journalism purely in consciousness studies for like 10 years. That's dope. It,
2: it is. <laughs> yeah, I love when a book like, it just comes up with something that you never would have probably wrapped your brain around otherwise.
1: Oh no. Yeah. And if you like Jeff Vandermeer, if you like like Annihilation or that sort
2: of thing, you'll definitely like this book. Oh God, it's me again, isn't it? It is. (laughs) Um, I don't have anything else really on like a top list that, that isn't a book that I haven't already talked about sometime this Mm -hmm. year. Um, I did have one, we kind of talked about, uh, doing our, our mist-its, like, and, uh, and I did have a missed it for this year, which I, I will get to. Um, it is a book written by a friend of mine. Uh, it's called The Chaos Portal, and it's a YA fantasy. Uh, the author's name is Paul Van Hootigam. It's available on Kindle. Um, and I think there's hard copies available as well. Um, nice. Paul is a family friend. He worked really hard, did a Kickstarter to be able to publish the book. And, uh, and my mom read it, and she said, like, yeah, it's like a fun yeah why a fantasy romp um and i just i just did not get around to it because i find that if i don't push things to the top of my reading list they don't get read so yeah. uh, i will be eventually reading that book and probably writing an article for it but uh but yeah you know so you, you can't win them all so that was my missed it for the year but um yeah check, go check out the chaos portal because it's uh i'm sure it's great
1: Josh, did you have a missed it or
2: or or a another fifth play? it?
0: I have a book that I read this year that is not from this year Ooh. that I missed it uh, last year. It's "She Who Became the Sun" by mm-hmm. Shelley Parker Chan. It is a historical fantasy. Yeah, I would say it's a historical f- fantasy set in like an era of China, which I'll admit I know nothing about. But the book does a great job of, like, if you don't know anything about China, it, it will not hamper you in any way. You, all you need to know is that it's set in a period of time with a Chinese emperor and two factions at war. And basically, it stars a character that in order to, like, she's giving it, her and her brother are given a prediction of their fate where he is going to become somebody great and she's going to become nothing. And then both her father and her brother die and she basically pulls a Mulan and pretends to be her brother. And the whole time throughout the book, she is um, trying to avoid her fate by taking on her... Brother's fate and like going as deep as possible into becoming her brother so that the, you know, the gods see that she is her brother and that what fate is supposed to happen to him happens to her. And the length of which, um, she goes to in order to um make sure that fate does not happen um it gets dark and in a in a like a great way and um it's like it's like hard to describe how good it is it's just so well written as someone um sort of doing everything they can to uh become Something great. It's sort of like the, um, the There Will Be Blood, uh, scenario, if you've ever seen that movie, just, like, sort of the, that movie's, like, whole theme is, like, in order to achieve the American dream, you have to go to horrible lengths that are immoral, and and the main character in She Who Became the Sun goes to incredible lengths in order to avoid her fate to the point where like you start to question whether you really like the main character, but they're just so, they're so charismatic. They're so charismatic. And so like, um, they have such like a strong will to avoid their fate of becoming nothing that you can't help, but like admire the main character, even if at sometimes they do things that, uh, are questionable and has you questioning whether you really like that character. And then it has like a, it has a mirror character of a, um, someone that's on the other side that is going through the same thing. They're a eunuch and they're basically sort of like on their own revenge tale that has them trying to avoid what fate was predicted for them based on like the current, like regime killed their family and the way the main character and this other character cross paths is sort of, um, it's like their fates are intertwined, but at the same time, butting against each other. And it has such, it has like a great conclusion for both these characters that, it's going to be a series or it is a series i can't wait to see what happens next
2: yeah i've seen it on like every top 10 list from last year every best of
1: yeah Yeah. and extremely good cover art Mm just we don't ever really talk about that and that Mm. one was just so striking like I ended up with two copies and like they just sit on the shelf next to each other because they're so pretty. I can't get rid of either. (laughs) (laughs) And I've given it as a gift to other people. So like, you know, third and fourth copies have been purchased. Nice.
2: Uh, nice. Oops.
0: Yeah. There are certainly some books that I really like that do not have very good covers. And then there are other books that I really love that have great covers.
1: It shouldn't. You should never judge a book by its cover, except you totally do, and it yeah.
2: really matters. <laughs> That's
0: why books have covers, right? Yes, exactly. The
2: whole point.
0: The whole point is for you to see it and then be like, "Ooh, that cover's nice. Maybe I'll <laughs> buy it. Maybe I'll pick it up and read the inside description because this cover yeah. was drawn to me."
1: I just. It's so frustrating that you you spend a you know like uh, insane amounts of time usually about a year to multiple years writing a book, and then everything that gets people to buy it has nothing to do with you. Someone else (laughs) writes the jacket cover or the back copy, like, someone else does the art, and someone else picks the title. Authors don't pick their titles. I mean, they have a say, but, like, it just... It's so mean, and it just... Yeah. Talk (laughs) about a fate you want to avoid. Yeah.
0: I never thought of it that way before, but... It's so
1: unfair! Yeah, the marketing machine
2: takes over.
1: Yeah. But at the same time, like, authors usually aren't artists, so expecting authors to to do their own cover is, like, also cruel and unusual. Anyway. Talk to me for more pointless rants about the publishing industry. (laughs)
0: Am Christina, do you have any uh, Yeah, it's... my
1: fifth one is also cheating a little bit because I haven't finished it yet, but I love it. Um, I'm almost there, uh, but it's, uh, it's called uh, Blitz. Uh, and there was a book that made waves a few years ago, and it's set in that world. Um, it was called The Rook, and it was a TV show produced by Stephanie Meyer. So that, I never saw it because uh, I... Honestly, don't know how I feel about that. Also, I don't have stars or whatever network it was on, I don't remember. Um, But it's a great book, and it's, I I think, if you haven't picked up on it yet, like, it's very clear that all the books that I really enjoy are ones that have very tongue in cheek humor, uh, interspersed with, like, very serious stuff. Because humor is kind of how I deal with crap. Uh, And this is no different. It's about three women in like said during the london blitz like during the german bombings bombings of london uh, and they're all members of this secret british society of people with powers and it's so it's like x-men but with a very british sort of like no you need to fill out the paperwork attitude <laughs> it's delightful um the first book had a really innovative take um the second book I think a lot of people were expecting more of the same, but it was a very different setting. Um, and then this book is a totally different setting once again. Uh, but it just—it develops well. It's funny. It's breathless amounts of action, and just like you just love all the little details of the world. Like I love a filled-out world where people are like, and this is the basement where the mushroom suddenly gain sentience. Don't worry about it. Moving on. Is <laughs> it really
0: sentient mushrooms? What? Are there really sentient mushrooms? There are,
1: but they're look? not relevant at all. I just love the little <laughs> details. It just, yeah. Because that's how my brain works. I'm like, what if that bird was George Washington? Oh, the, ba- the, the bagels are ready? Okay. And that's it. Like, that's, that's the inside of my head. So, that, I mean, it sounds really scary, and it is. I, you know, I wouldn't <laughs> recommend being me. But if you were, this would be the book for you. Delightful. It's it's great. Steph, did you have one more that you wanted
2: to add? Or no, that is that is my list. Um, yeah, yeah, solid year.
0: Can I talk? Can I talk about another book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I literally finished this book as we're recording yesterday, <laughs>
2: Okay.
0: and it's already probably in my top ten. And I finished the first book of this duology last week. Wow! And it's uh, the. The City We Became and yes. the World We Make by N.K. Jemison. Uh, it's basically when a city becomes not popular, but relevant throughout the multiverse, it births, and they literally say birth, an avatar that represents the entire city. And the first book, The City We Became, is all about New York City. And a extra dimensional being that is very H. P. Lovecraft and is literally named after a city from HB Lovecraft trying to stop um, the city of New York from becoming powerful, uh, becoming a powerful avatar and, uh, you know, in the multiverse. And it's sort of like a the avatar becomes a collection, like a. Collection of like the city in multiple universes, like uh, you know. Over they even they even have a remark about how like in the world that the book takes place in, that the episode with the ev- the evil characters on the original Star Trek, they all had man buns instead <laughs> of uh, goatees. <laughs> but that's not the point. The point <laughs> is. Uh, The city comes under attack by this extra-dimensional being and splits into avatars representing the bureaus of New York. You know, Staten Island, the Bronx, Brooklyn, Manhattan, and Queens.
1: How many jokes about Staten Island are there?
2: Yeah, that was was
1: what I was thinking. Okay,
0: listen. (laughs) Staten Island plays a very important role (laughs) in the book, and like... All the things that you're thinking about Staten Island right now are relevant okay. in the book. Okay. And, it's, and it's done <laughs> in a very...
2: Oh my god, it smells like Axe body spray. That's gonna be... The, there's no Axe
0: body spray do jokes. They, do but they the, defeat it,
2: the, the monster with a big meatball?
0: <laughs> no, they do not. Um, and like, what's great about this book and then the follow-up is... The monster, the extra-dimensional monster that is a city in itself, does not has learned to not fight with like fighting and you know just like attacking the city. It literally uses white supremacy to as its like its main cause of attack. Like it uses
1: that checks out in many ways. It (laughs) uses
0: it uses um. What is the thing that the when they like um section off a region for voting oh, to have it like uh gerrymandering? It uses gerrymandering. It uses like political loopholes. It uses um like everything that you think of that um we read about in modern day that's horrifying about um white supremacy cops um political figures basically NK Jemisin plays with and this is definitely what like we've learned in the modern day when we talk about H.P. Lovecraft he had like horrible beliefs he was like a horrible racist racist ethnocentric uh kind of monster sexist.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: Yep. yeah and N.K. Jemison doesn't shy away from that. She combines his, his fiction writing with his horrible beliefs to create this monster that is fighting New York City. And N.K. Jemison both play, If you've ever seen a movie with. If you know anything about the stereotypes or tropes about New York City, N.K. Jemison plays with all of them. At the same time, if you're a New Yorker or ever been a New Yorker, everything that is very like new york you'll be like oh i get that <laughs> like you're like you know captain america oh i get that reference <laughs> and each character each bureau represents a thing about that bureau and about new york city without being like a one dimensional character and it the city We Become is the, the first book is, you know, what are we? The, like, what does it mean to be, you know, an avatar of the city of New York? And then the second book, um, The World We Make, is the, who are we? Now, the second book is definitely the character book, where there's still an overarching plot that deals with the, like, multiverse of these cities. While, like, this, like, we discover who these people are. Like, who Queens, uh, Bronx, Brooklyn, Manhattan, and Staten Island. And then there's an avatar for all of New York City who was, like, in trouble in the first book, but now has more of a feature role in the second book. And it's just so good, but it's also, like, kind of scary, because it's, like, It deals with things that are happening in the news that maybe you don't want to think about, but she also does it in a way that, like, she doesn't make the other dimensional monster the cause of white supremacy. It's just that the other dimensional monster is using what is already in our world, you know, that's bad, white supremacy and other, you know, racism
2: that's good. That's, uh, that's important. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: like the, the the other dimensional monster isn't ex, isn't an excuse, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's not a get out of jail free card for the way yeah. these people act. It's more like the other dimensional monster using them as just so well done, and like all the the main characters, like one is a former rapper who's r- running for governor, and the other is like. Uh, An older woman, lesbian, who runs, like, a museum. And uh, the other is, like, an immigrant from uh, Asia who's just, like, been here on uh, her green card and is now trying to become a citizen. And it's just, it's so... A.K. Jamison is a great writer. Like, I I don't think I have to... No, I I think... Yeah, she's, yeah, well, she's, no, she's one enough. She's won enough Hugos at this point yeah. that me <laughs> podcast guy uh, doesn't have to say, <laughs> you know, N.K. Jemison is a great writer. But it's like, and it's just, it's also extra because she just gets New York in such a way that is so satisfying, and and I, it doesn't hurt my feelings each time she says how. Any of the characters mention how horrible Long
1: Island is? <laughs> it
0: is. Yeah, I def- and like they're not long. You could read. I literally read them in the last three weeks, both books. So I on my list is uh, the the sequel to the city we became, the world we make by N.K. Jemison, which came out like two or three weeks ago.
1: Nice, yeah, definitely on my list. Although at this point, N.K. Jepsen seems like one of those authors. Just like she's so permanent, like she's so established. It's like, oh yeah, like of course, of course, I'll read that. Yeah. So, ironically, it's it's another New York thing where it's like, oh, the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, I'll get there. You don't. If you live in New York, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> so I gotta fight that.
0: <laughs> it's also not fun.
1: No, it's just, yeah, okay. So she's not the Statue of Liberty in that she's not boring or <laughs> stupid. She is the Statue of Liberty in that she's art. I don't, I lost the metaphor somewhere. Anyway. We
0: went to the Statue of Liberty on a school trip once, and it was the most horrible school trip I've <laughs> ever
1: been. Yeah. No, thank you.
0: As someone who is afraid of heights and afraid of really narrow stairs. Oh, God. No, thank oh, you.
1: God yeah torture trip
0: it was Christina, do yeah. you have any more books
1: no i think we're we're good to wrap up thanks for listening buy these books support these authors you don't get more books in 2023 if 2022's books don't sell any copies so get them from your library that that also is equally helpful mm-hmm. um buy them for are there any... nobody needs more socks i mean i do but <laughs> i'll get my own damn socks give me books
0: off the top of your head are there any books from next year that you're looking forward to
2: and there's a new t kingfisher book coming out in march that we're all gonna read for the podcast so i'm looking forward to that i'm like one page into it right now
1: this is also the problem with asking that question I literally started it this afternoon and Josh was like, what's a new book that's coming out? It's like, that doesn't count, because we're reading it now.
0: <laughs> it uh, counts. Well, in uh, my head, did...
1: yeah, it didn't even register.
2: Electo, I right. guess, is coming out next year. Is it? I thought Supposedly. it was 24. I think, I think it's coming out in the fall. Oh, maybe Ooh. they did push it back, actually. Anyways. I mean, I hope, yeah. but...
1: Tamsen, well, I'm you take as much I'm looking need to... <laughs>
0: I'm looking forward to The Untethered Sky by uh, Fonda Lee, an author I just discovered uh, this year, whose first series was more like magic meets mafia style, while this book seems to be more, you know, epic fantasy. Uh, I don't actually know that yet because I haven't started yet, but I am (laughs) looking forward to it. But yeah i'm looking forward to the winds of winter finally oh coming my out.
2: god yeah <laughs> sure this is me holding my breath <laughs> oh man okay well that seems like well. a good no- note to go out on
0: <laughs> but wait uh steph are you reading anything right I now i
2: am i'm reading empire of Exiles. hell yeah I am reading, uh, I I just started, yeah, this new T. Kingfisher book, uh, A House with Good Bones. Uh, Yeah, both of these I'm like four pages into. Um, What else? I am working on the Tales of the Astonishing Black Spark. And I think that is it for the moment. I think I like finished off my backlog that I was working on through most of November. So lots of new stuff. Josh, what are you working on right now? Me? Yeah.
0: Um, I'm reading... Hold on, I want to get it, get it exactly right. I'm reading the sequel to 2021's The Unbroken by C.L. Clark called uh, The Faithless. And um, I don't have much to say about it because I haven't started it yet, um, except for like the very first page. But it is definitely, like, I literally finished, you know, The World We Make. I uh, don't know. Yeah, The World We Make and Empire of Exiles. But The Unbroken was, like, definitely a book from last year that um, I sort of missed out on, like, at the last minute. Like, I literally started it in, like, December 15th or something, like, midway through December. Uh, but if I had finished it in time, it would have made my, like, best of... 2021 list because it deals with colonialism and class and all those things that I enjoy in my fantasy and uh there's a you know um lesbian love story like underneath all that and now this is the follow-up where the two uh women that are in love but can't be together are like now meeting up again Mm -hmm. so. I'm excited to see what happens
1: twenty twenty one twenty twenty two were good years for lesbians mm. only under sword she became a Yeah.
0: <laughs> in books yes we should say in, in books,
1: books. Yeah, yeah we're we're working on the rights mm-hmm. in real life um, yeah I just finished uh what I think is like the first very lucid take on the pandemic called delphi mm-hmm. um. Uh, and it's about a uh, classicist, so obviously I liked it, uh, trying to cope with lockdown and not doing a great job, and trying to, and, it, and it's parsed through different types of, like, fortune telling. So, like, reading tarot cards, reading sticks, um, and how it really doesn't help. Uh, but, very good. Cool. Yeah, check out our reviews on geekling.com and till then
2: books, books. books.
0: <laughs> that's a become our sign-off thank
2: you. thank you for listening to no page unturned part of the geekly inc podcast family if you like the show please show us some love with a rating and review on your favorite podcast app you can follow us on twitter and instagram at no page podcast the show is edited by me steph kingston Our amazing theme music is by Bad Sparrow, and you can check them out at Bad Sparrow Music. And our cover art is by Chango Chamango, who you can check out on Instagram and Twitter at Chango Chamango.